This week on the Campfire Med Podcast, we talk about what it means to be sick in America today. We also talk about some new cool gadgets in the GI world. We talk about the increasing burden of primary care, as well as some major NBA trade news. We hope you enjoy. Doctor of Medical Science, PhD, uh, doing a solo show today without Chris Stone. Uh, podcast uh, today focusing on medicine, health, culture, and anything else that we feel like talking about, all from a physician associate perspective. Please be sure to prescri- subscribe to us <clears throat> wherever you get your podcast, and check us out on social media as well. Navigate over to our website, cfiremed. That is the letter C, firemed.com, for more information about us, the show, as well as to check out new merchandise. Uh, get previous show notes and um, episode descriptions, all that good stuff. If you have a question for us, if you want to come on the show, or if you just want to provide any sort of feedback, um, we do have an email address, contact at cfiremed.com. As always, the opinions expressed here on our show are our own and do not replace the advice of your own trusted medical professional. Uh, We're back. A couple of weeks off, um, I was out with some health uh, issues, nothing big, just sick which is actually coincidentally one of the main topics I want to talk about today. Um, and then last week, uh, just had scheduling issues with my work schedule and Chris's work schedule. So unable to get anything recorded. Um, hopefully you didn't miss us too much. Um, this week, again, more scheduling issues. So just went ahead and decided to do a solo show today, um, wanting to talk about a few different things. So we're back, or I'm back. The show is back, whatever you want to say. And I wanted to talk today about what it means to be sick in America um, post-COVID-19 as we draw nearer to the date when the emergency health um, order expires in May of this year, um, and we officially enter into kind of a post-COVID time frame. What does it mean to be sick in America today? And I don't mean sick like real sick like cancer patients or, you know, uh, heart disease patients or heart failure patients or whatever. What I mean is I have an upper respiratory infection. I have the sniffles. I have a stomach bug. I have uh, fever, chills, nausea, etc. What does it mean to be that way uh, in today's uh, society, in today's workforce, etc.? And I bring it up because I, like I said, about two weeks ago was was sick. Luckily, it was not much. It was an upper respiratory uh, infection. Comes on about like they always do for me. I started to get a little bit of a tickle in my throat. Um, That led to a little bit of a sore throat, which led to some upper um, respiratory congestion, cough, sinus pain, and pressure, etc. Eventually developed a little bit of some joint pain and some aches um, and some fatigue, but uh, luckily it was all pretty mild. Um, tried to be responsible, tried to do the right thing, did some COVID home testing, was negative three times on COVID home tests. Um, and kind of found myself unsure as to what to do, uh, which is kind of weird for someone in this field. Um, but I was unsure as to really how to handle it. Um, and what I mean by it is, you know, how to return to work. Um, this started, um, 
I took a couple of days off and had like a planned long weekend. So I um, started to get symptoms before I really had to go to work. Um, and kind of progressed during those days off. And so I had some time before I had to be in front of patients again um, to sort of think about how I wanted to approach it. And the interesting thing was, I feel like we caught a little bit of a glimpse of what I think we all would agree is perhaps the, really the way it should be in that if you're ill, you're encouraged to stay home. That is covered by your employer. Um, you have some sort of way to stay whole with that financially, uh, time off wise, etc. cetera. Um, and uh, it's really encouraged or embraced for you to focus on your own health. Um, and I feel like that's at least for my employer and I'm sure with a lot of yours, um, that was sort of what happened during COVID, um, particularly if you tested positive for COVID, but really if you tested positive for anything or had any sort of issue, there was this brief glimmer where, you know, the focus was really, okay, you're not feeling well, make sure you get better. We'll figure it out here at work. Um, <clears throat> and I feel like unfortunately that door has closed. And again, maybe this is just all my opinion. Um, or my perspective. And so if you have questions or if you have other perspectives, please feel free to reach out to us on any of our social media platforms or through our um, email address. Uh, again, that's contact at cfiremed.com. We'd love to hear from you. But um, it just seems like that protection has sort of gone away already. Um, that concern or that caring is already, that's over now. Um, and now it's, you know, okay, well, how sick are you? Uh, okay, well, if you're out, then, you know, ugh, we got to figure out how we're going to get coverage and we got to, you know, you got to make sure you use your sick time or your PTO or whatever. And it's just sort of this back to, you know, there's this inherent unspoken pressure for you to get back to work, to continue to be productive, because that's all that matters is the production. Your, your individual health is not really the emphasis or the main concern of the company that employs you. Um, and so I was kind of in a weird spot. Um, I had tested negative for COVID. Um, I was about, let's see, three and a half, four days into symptoms. And so I ended up going back to work right away, felt like I was not contagious. We mask universally at my employment place anyway. Um, and so I felt if I washed my hands, took other normal precautions, I was protecting myself and my patients adequately. Um, but it was sort of a weirdly stressful thing. I hadn't run into that again. I, luckily, I don't get sick all that often, knock on wood. Um, and I definitely don't miss work hardly ever for for health reasons. And a lot of it, frankly, is because I think there's some, that inherent pressure to just make sure you keep cranking, keep producing. You don't want to put an extra burden on your other colleagues, etc., um, but luckily I haven't run into it a lot, but I, I had ran, in, I ran into it here and it was sort of this weird situation where I feel like that, that small window of time where the emphasis was on what it should be, which is the individual health of people, uh, was the emphasis. And I feel like that has perhaps gone away again. Now, granted, this is just my perspective. This is only one person's point of view. And, you know, I'm fortunate. I have plenty of PTO. I have a job where I can take some time away if I had to, even with that inherent pressure, if it really came down to it, I could easily take time away if I had to, and it would be fine. 
So I'm very fortunate. There's a lot of people in the United States that don't have that luxury um, for illness or for injury, which is more of what I deal with is injury, um, where, you know, I've had multiple occasions where people end up losing their jobs because of an injury that occurred outside of work or even injuries that occur at work. So just sort of disheartening a little bit to see that emphasis change yet again. So just wanted to talk a little bit about that. Don't really know what the point was or my point was other than I think, you know, the take home message for me would be work hard to find jobs, find a job, find a position, find a um, career, whatever that can allow for that balance as best as possible. I don't think it's as good as it should be really anywhere. Um, but try hard to set yourself up for that as best as possible. Save up your PTO, whatever you need to do. Try to leave yourself that cushion or that buffer so that there's the least amount of pressure on you possible if you were to become ill um, and needed some time away. Because particularly in this field, speaking to other healthcare provider, from a healthcare provider to other healthcare providers, um, you are no good to anyone, including your patients, if you don't take care of yourself first. And so that's obviously very important, both mentally and physically. And so I was fortunate. It was pretty mild, whatever it was, some sort of upper respiratory thing. I had the the timing of it worked well. I had PTO ready if I needed it, didn't need it, was able to go back to work and did just fine. So that's all I have to say about that. Other things I wanted to talk about this week, admittedly going to be a short episode, a little bit less back and forth, a little bit less banter with just me. So I apologize. Some other headlines that I thought were pretty cool. Um, Researchers at MIT and Caltech have produced a pill, a swallowable, ingestible sensor that can be monitored as it moves through the digestive tract. So patient takes this sensor like a pill and they can monitor it to help understand and more easily diagnose issues such as gastrointestinal motility disorders like constipation, gastroesophageal reflux disease, and gastroparesis. Essentially, it produces a small, tiny magnetic field with an electromagnetic coil that's located outside the body. This can be tracked. Uh, So that's pretty cool. I mean, implantable or ingestible sensors. um, I can't remember what the movie was. There's some old movie where they uh, go inside of a person in a, a pill, I believe, or something, and they're in like a little submarine, and they go in there to try to help diagnose and treat some sort of illness in this person, the scientists are shrunken down to a tiny size in order to be able to do that. Well, we're we're doing that kind of stuff now with these ingestible uh, pills or ingestible uh, monitors, whatever you want to call it. So that was something that I found pretty dang interesting. Uh, We'll have to bring that up on future episodes when we talk with Michael Cabrera, who is our uh, in-house GI slash general surgery expert. So we'll have to bring up more about that. Um, The next thing that I wanted to briefly talk about um, that I think we'll probably be expanding on more in episodes where I have some other uh, folks on with me to sort of give us a little bit more of a back and forth. Um, But um, I think we want to do a little bit of a series on primary care. And it sounds a little crass, but my first thought as to what we'd call this would be uh, primary care as a dumping ground, a series, colon, a series. 
uh, because I feel like primary care continues to get more and more responsibility thrown onto it, um, and the pressure continues for that that field in general. Um, to start off, kind of what what am I talking about here? So uh, I was looking through articles like I do each week, trying to come up with things that were interesting to discuss and talk about. Um, and one of the things that I saw was. Sorry, pulling it up here. Uh, a headline that says adult primary care physician visits are increasingly uh, made to address mental health concerns. And so that's that's interesting. Um, I can certainly see how that would be the case. So reading a little bit further, um, there's a high prevalence of mental health diagnoses in adults alongside ongoing shortages of mental health specialists, as well as the expansion of the patient-centered medical home, which we all in this field anyway, probably know all about, um, have increased the involvement of primary care clinicians in treating mental health concerns. Um, some statistics, so they took a sample of about 109,898 visits uh, and found that the proportion of visits that were mental health-based or addressing mental health concerns went up 10.7% of the visits uh, from 2006 to 2007. Sorry, Increased from 10.7% of visits in 2006-2007 to 15.9% by 2016. So a 5, almost 6% increase in the number of um, visits that were mental health based for primary care visits. The thing that really struck me with this, you know, to me it's kind of obvious. Yeah, okay, primary care deals with a lot of mental health stuff. Duh. Um if you spent five minutes in a, in a primary care office, you'll know that. Um, but I'm s- kind of surprised it's only the 10.7% and then now up to 159 so 16%. So 11% to 16%. I'm surprised it's that low. I f- honestly figured it would be more. Um, that's just one of the first things that I think of when you think of primary care and why people are establishing is, you know, I, I've got, you know, what X number of depressed days or uh, this sort of anxiety or whatever, this this stressor is going on in my life, what can be done? Um, and so I thought that was very interesting that it's really even less than I would have thought based on my somewhat limited experience or exposure to primary care. Um, so I found that very interesting that it's still relatively small portion of what they do, but yet it's increasing and I I anticipate that continuing to increase. Um, And I think, you know, the real interesting thing is just like anything else, primary care sort of just fills whatever gaps are needed, right? So this is one of those things where, well, we don't have anyone else to do it. So I guess just go see your primary care provider um, with regard to treating or diagnosing or maintaining or uh, tweaking the treatment plan or whatever it may be for your mental health issue. And so it's one of those things where primary care just is constantly asked to step up and fill that void, uh, whether they feel like they are able to or adequately prepared to or trained to or not. Um, And they do a pretty valiant job of filling that gap as well as 8,000 other gaps, which again is why I think eventually we'll probably do a bit of a series on uh, primary care in general, because working in a subspecialty for my entire career you know, I, I can't tell you how many times 
<clears throat> people end up coming to see me and they want to talk about two or three different things and some of it might be orthopedic related and some not. And, you know, I, I have the luxury or whatever, however you want to think of it, the prerogative, whatever you want to think of to turn it around and say, you know, that's really more of something for your primary care provider to discuss with you. Um, and so it just, that burden that they carry continues to get bigger and bigger and a subspecialist, we subspecialists don't really make it any easier on them. Um, other than being available when they do have specific concerns and offering hopefully some guidance and some treatment plans, uh, for whatever specific issue it is. Um, the mental health side of it is harder, um, particularly in rural areas, particularly in the areas that I live area that I live, uh, mental health providers are few and far between. And so even more of that gets saddled on the primary care folks who already have plenty on their plates. So it's a very difficult position is really kind of all I'm trying to say. So those are really the main topics wanted to discuss today. Um, pretty basic, straightforward show. Not a lot of, uh, not a lot of flash or pizzazz today. We'll get back after it next week. Um, should have Chris back. Might see if we can get some other guests lined up in the coming weeks. Try to keep this stuff coming. Um, the last thing I just really briefly wanted to talk about is Kevin Durant is a Phoenix Sun. I, if you know anything about me, you know I'm a big basketball guy. Phoenix Suns are my team, have been forever, even before they were good. Um, 80s and 90s, um, lived through a lot of good times and a lot of horrible times. Kevin Durant is a Phoenix Sun. It's still a little crazy. Haven't seen him play yet. Not going to be back till the All-Star breaks. We have a couple weeks till he plays, but man. That's big news in my world. So if you like basketball, then you understand kind of what I'm freaking out about. If you don't, then you can just go ahead and tune out now. But um, I think have a small window here to be following a championship contender. And so it's a lot of fun for me outside of uh, work. One of the things I like to do is follow a few select sports teams. And the Phoenix Suns are probably one of my closest held most near and dear to my heart teams, and they are on the upswing, which is a lot of fun. So make sure if you don't like basketball, or if you don't, if you, you should, I shouldn't say that, if you uh, are not normally a fan of basketball and are looking to maybe get into it, I would suggest following the Phoenix Suns. They're a fun team uh, with a lot of big changes lately for the positive, in my opinion, both from an ownership standpoint as well as from a player standpoint. So make sure you check them out. That's all I got this week. Uh, short episode, pretty well, straight to the point. Had to listen to my boring voice, but we'll try and do better next week, I guess. Thanks so much for listening to the, to the, uh, Campfire Med podcast. We appreciate it, uh, more than you know. Be sure to, uh, subscribe to us. Give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. It means the world. Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash campfiremed. Check us out on any of our social media platforms. Search Campfire Med, all one word. We're on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, etc. Make sure you look at all those places. Follow us, interact. We'd love to hear from you. Check out our website, cfiremed.com, for more information, episode lists, etc. Also be on the lookout for some social media giveaways coming up in the coming weeks. There's a few prizes that I'm working on getting together, so make sure you like and subscribe and follow us so you can be privy to that stuff and as always we will leave you with a big go get them